0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus that binds us together. We thank you that as we have just heard in that song that it is by his wounds we are healed. And we gather, Father, as uh, those who have received that healing, that forgiveness because of the Lord Jesus. We gather as those who are forgiven sinners, a community of forgiven sinners. And so we pray, Father, that as you speak to us now from your word, that you would humble us, uh, help us to listen, not with proud hearts, but quiet and receptive hearts, that you may change us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there was once a dream that was Rome. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper and it would vanish. It was so fragile and I fear it will not survive the winter. They are the words of Marcus Aurelius in, uh, well, no doubt, the slightly dodgy history of the movie Gladiator, But the dream he was speaking of was of the city of Rome and uh, those who were building that city hoped that it would become a city like none else on earth. And yet it seemed, uh, as the quote says, so fragile, so uh, prone to breaking along the way. Today I want to speak of dreams whispered in this psalm, the psalm that was read for us just before. And no, it's not of Rome, it's of another city altogether, of God's city, his church, of which we are a part. Now, the Bible tells us that God's city is his dream, and it is his dream to build a city, a people that are like nothing else on earth. And yet, again, it seems so fragile as you think about even our own partnership here. Just a few of us gathered together as St. Andrew's and St. Paul's Warunga, it, it seems so fragile, and yet it is what God is doing in our world. And so, I want to speak of God's dream today as we start our partnership. In which we're uniting together to continue to build God's city within the big city of Sydney, God's place within Warunga and the surrounding suburbs, and we do that simply by proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ together, to proclaim Jesus to Warunga and beyond. Well let me ask this, as we begin our partnership and as we consider this psalm together, what is, uh, uh, is this partnership worth your wholehearted effort? How do you feel about it? Do you feel? Are positive? Do you feel joyful? Do you feel committed? Or perhaps do you feel hesitant, unsure, unclear about what the future may hold? Well, let me ask a bit more directly about the church that you are a part of, St. Paul's Warunga or St. Andrew's Wurunga. How do you feel about her? Psalm 48 declares that this place, your church, is in fact, as far as God is concerned, the joy of the whole earth, and it is worth everything. Uh, We're going to look at the psalm two times. We're going to hear it sung first by God's people of old, those who first sung this psalm, Psalm 48, and then we're going to look at it again through the lens of our own partnership as we begin it together today. And so uh, really we'll look at it in three stanzas. That's how this psalm works. It's a song, and uh, here's the first stanza. It's all about God being present, Uh, verses 1 to 3. Let let me read verse 1. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, and the city of God, his holy mountain, it is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. If you were to ask the psalmist what he thinks of his city, God's city, Jerusalem, he is a, he is a complete fan of the city. He is an unabashed enthusiast when it comes to the city. I, I mean, if the psalmist was in charge of writing the Lonely Planet entry for the city of Jerusalem at this point in history, uh, it would be dramatic, uh, perhaps over the top, it seems. Because the reality is if you went to Jerusalem then or even now, it is neither lofty nor great. It's a relatively small fortified city as this psalm is sung. And uh, if you go to Jerusalem, you wouldn't go up to Jerusalem from the surrounding hills. You, you went down. And so it, all of this, this description here in verses 1 and 2 seems uh, like an embellished tourist tale to, to bring the tourists into Jerusalem. Uh, is that what it is? Is it over the top? Is it uh, not true? Well, actually, if anything, the Psalmist is underplaying the city because his praise for the city is not ultimately about the city at all. It's about the God who is in the city. Uh, He points to this insignificant hillock in the city of Jerusalem where where the temple stood in Jerusalem, the the place where the Lord of heaven and earth chose to be his dwelling place on earth. And and the psalmist can't help but rejoice and praise because he says, God is here. The living God is here in our city. And because he was there, we're we're told there in in verse 2, it's it's a beautiful city because God is there. And because God is there, again, verse 2, we're told here it is the joy of of the whole earth, this place. The psalmist says this city is God's city where he lives with us. And because he is there, the place is not only beautiful and not only joyful. Do you see there in uh, verse 2 as we go on, uh, that this city, as insignificant as it looks to the surrounding area, is the very seat of power in all the world. Verse 2, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Uh, again, it seems like another audacious, over-the-top claim. Zaphon uh, literally means north. It's it's actually the name of an, another mountain, not this one. A, a towering mountain in Syria, snow-capped, uh, impressive, and so impressive was it that the uh, the surrounding peoples came to think that maybe this is the mountains where the the, the mountain where the gods live. But. Our psalmist knocks that theory for six. He says, you know what, you go to the top of Mount Zaphon and yes, you'll find snow there and you might even find it hard to breathe, so high is it. But but the psalmist says, you want to meet the living God? Zion is that place. Climb this mountain and you probably won't find snow in Jerusalem, but your breath will be taken away because here is the place that the great king, the Lord Almighty lives. He dwells here. And because he is present, not only is the city beautiful, not only is it joyful, not only is it powerful, but you see there verse 3, it's safe. Verse 3, God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. And so not only is God present in the city, we're we're told now as we move to the second stanza of the song, verses 4 to 7, that he is present as deliverer, as saviour. He is the God who delivers. Have a a look at verse 4. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw and they were astounded. It's actually a reference to to a siege that is actually the backdrop of a a whole bunch of Psalms around this one, including Psalm 48. It's the siege of Jerusalem by Sennacherib and the whole mighty Assyrian army. I mean, he, he and his armies had taken all the villages and towns around Jerusalem, unstoppable as a force they were. And, and now he brings his great and terrifying army against the city of God, against Jerusalem. And his army begin their charge. And, and then we're told, you see there verse 4, as they charge forward and they've not been stopped up to this point, that we're told they stop, dead still, awestruck, trembling all the way back to Nineveh. Don't you love how it's uh, described there in verse 4 what what stopped them? It's it's two words that are used to describe what stopped them. They they saw What did they see? They didn't see an awesome city. They didn't see incredible fortifications endless resources or anything like that What they saw is whose city it was How almighty the Lord is just how committed he is to his dream and to his people his city Uh, This is how Isaiah 37 describes that siege and God's promise to his people. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or, or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. I will defend this city and save it for my sake, says the Lord. I mean, can you imagine the celebrations in Jerusalem that day as this awesome army led by Sennacherib charges and then stops and then hightails it all the way back to Nineveh? As verse 8 puts it, As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of God, God makes us secure forever. We were told the Lord is like this. We were told he is our defender and deliverer, but now, now with our own eyes we've seen it and all we were told about his promises have come true in this moment and what a celebration it would have been that day. And that's the third stanza of uh, this song, verses 9 to 14. It is the God who is praised in the city. Verse 9, do you see what they do having seen his awesome deliverance? They, they meditate on his unfailing love. Isn't that amazing? They don't meditate just on his might or his strength or his ability to turn this army back. It's his unfailing love that's underneath that deliverance. I imagine it wasn't just the Assyrian king that was awestruck that day. As the people of God's city saw their God delivering them, they would have been awestruck by how loyal his love for them really was. A love strong enough to defend them, yes, but a love for people, a loyal love for people who don't deserve love like that. Uh, An unfaithful people, an unfailing love for failures. That's what this city is all about. And the more they meditated on his love, uh, the more it overflowed. You see in verses 10 and 11 in praise. Praise for the name of the Lord Most High. Praise for his righteous deeds. Praise for his judgments. Praise in Jerusalem. And then do you see this? In the villages of Judah and to the ends of the earth. It's it's an echo of the book of Acts, isn't it? It goes from Jerusalem to Judea to the villages all the way to the ends of the earth. They meditate on his love. They praise his name. And then verse 12 and 13, do you know what they did? They shared the story of his love. What they had seen... We're told here they were to tell the next generation. Take all of this in, says the psalmist. Don't miss any of it. The God who is present, who is our deliverer, who is to be praised. Walk around his city, the psalmist says. See his protective love at work. Uh, See his righteous judgments. Count her towers if you can. Count her ramparts. View her citadels. Not a stone is out of place. See how he has rescued us. Take a picture if you have to, write it down if you have to, speak of it so this story of our God and of his love and of his salvation will be told to the generations to come so that they may hear and they may trust and they may become citizens of this city with us. It's quite a song, isn't it? Quite an insight into the joy of the city of God that God is building here on earth. But just for a few minutes before we finish, I want us to listen to the song again, not through the ears and eyes of the first readers of this psalm, the first singers of this song, but ourselves as we begin this partnership. This song is not just for the city of God, Jerusalem then. So much more for us now is this song, our song, because we are his city his church in this place. Uh, This is a song, as we begin our partnership, this is a song for our partnership. This is what this place is all about. You see, as glorious as Jerusalem was then, it's but a whisper of how glorious the city would become. You know what? As good as this moment is that's captured in Psalm 48, and it was an incredible moment, wasn't it? Here's the truth of it. If you read on in the Old Testament, this moment passes. And exile comes. Soon it will be God's own people who will be marched out of this city. And the temple where God dwelt will be destroyed. And even though later it would be rebuilt, nothing will emerge that it is as great and glorious and joyful as what is described in this psalm. But the Bible tells us that there came another moment, as Romans 5 says, at just the right time, when God indeed was present with us again in that same city. At that moment, there was not just joy for Jerusalem, but all the earth. And, and so ex- extraordinary was the joy. It wasn't a psalmist and a choir singing. It was a choir of angels announcing the arrival of this king. The moment that God's own son was born in that place to build that city. The moment the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who spoke stars and storms and cities into being, the one who holds us together, and in fact, this whole world together by his word, the one who this, all, the, all the cities of this world are for, came and set up his tent among us. And he did it in a backwater town. He did it on the outskirts. He he did it in a stable. And the very seat of power in all the world, in all of heaven and earth, was established in a barn. The birth of the great king, God with us, not veiled and unapproachable as he was in the temple, but now here in the dust and the muck of life. God with us. That manger held a weight of glory, of power, and of hope, and of joy, and of love that has never been surpassed. Uh, The author C.S. Lewis, uh, in his Narnia series, describes that moment like this. He said, once in our world, there was a stable that held something in it that was bigger than the whole world. A baby born to build a city, that's at the heart of our partnership. And he would say of us and he would say of our partnership and he would say of St. Paul's Warunga and St. Andrew's Warunga, you are the city of God. You are a city on a hill. And any who would come to him in repentance and faith would come into this city that he is building, his church, this place. And through him the new city is built, from, from all nations it is built, built through his once and for all atoning sacrifice for us on that cross as, as he hung there in that same city, Jerusalem. A sacrifice so big and so worthy that it would cover all of us. What was true of Zion then is much, in a much more perfect way is true of the church now. Now, you heard how the psalmist described his city. Listen to how Hebrews chapter 12 describes the city, the church that you are a part of. But you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You've come to the church of the firstborn. You have come to those whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, who is judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, whose blood speaks a better word than any else in this world. And so as we begin this partnership, I want you to consider who we are today as we begin it. As insignificant as we may feel, as just a handful of people in even just the suburb of Warunga, let alone the city of Sydney, i asked ask you a question at the start, and I'll ask you again now about our partnership and whether you are wholeheartedly committed to it. Perhaps as I ask that question and you think about your own situation as part of St Paul's Wurunga or St Andrew's Wurunga, you're thinking, you know what, perhaps, perhaps I'd rather church just stay the way it is and, and nothing change, and, and to be honest, and we'll talk about plans in a minute, things will change and that will be hard. Perhaps it's easier if nothing changes. Or perhaps you know nothing of the other church. You're part of St. Paul's room and you know nothing of St. Andrew's or or vice versa and you're, you're happy if it stays that way. Or perhaps you're thinking of the problems that might come or the differences or the disagreements that might come along the way in the partnership. Whatever comes to your mind right now, let me tell you where you are right now, even as we gather remotely like this as two churches. You are with thousands and thousands in joyful assembly. You are part of the church of the firstborn. You are gathering as St. Paul's and St. Andrew's, as those whose names are written in heaven. That's what binds you together. You have come to Jesus and his people. That's who we are. We are the inhabitants of Zion. He is here with us. He is here as deliverer and he is utterly committed to us because this is his dream, his place, his church before it is ours. And so this is to be a place of celebration. Uh, As Jerusalem was the day that the Assyrians were overthrown, how much more us? Uh, We were told in Psalm 48 that God is a a rescuing God. and, And now in Jesus, we know he has shown that to be true. We gather as those who have moved from slaves to sin to forgiven children, separated from God to fellowship with him and his people, from death to life forever because he loves us with an unfailing love. And so let us be the place where, do you see it there, verse nine, we meditate together on his unfailing love. That's what our gatherings are gonna be about as we begin the partnership. A place where we will enjoy listening and thinking and considering and speaking together of his unfailing love for us. A love strong enough to defend us. A love for those who don't deserve that love. That's us, an unfailing love for failures like me and you. Let this be a place filled with his praise. Now verse 10, our praise in song and in word and in all of life is meant to resound throughout our partnership and in our homes and in our workplaces and throughout our neighbourhoods and our city, heck, even to the ends of the earth and down the generations of our church and of our suburb, beckoning more to come and be part of this city. You know, there was once a dream. God's people in his place with their God A God who is a king of loyal love and strong salvation. What a dream. If it was left to us, it would have faded like all dreams in this world do. But not so with God and not so with his dream, for he has secured it by the mighty blood of the Lord Jesus. As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your unfailing love for us failures. We thank you that you are with us as we begin this partnership. We thank you that you are here as saviour. We thank you that your praise will resound from this partnership to the streets of Burunga and beyond. And we pray, Father, that you would incline our hearts to give ourselves wholly to what you are building here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.